Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. If you've ever explored the world of positive thinkers and success teachers and motivational speakers, you may have heard someone ask the question, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hopes Sunday Reflection, where we pause our Monday through Saturday reading through the Bible in a year time together to consider our life and work in a little different way. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? I actually think there is some validity to that question. After all, you might discover something inside yourself that legitimately needs to be challenged or a place you need the help of a friend or even a counselor. At the same time, we have reality to deal with. I mean, has there ever been a building built so awesome that it doesn't sooner or later begin to crumble? Has there ever been a kingdom that hasn't fallen? Of course not. We all fail. And there's a a useful tension, though, I think, to consider. What does it mean to hold in tension the fact that we are fallible and we can probably achieve a lot more than we think we can if we only had more belief in ourselves or had more endurance in the face of opposition or whatever? Well, I got to thinking about this this week, actually, as I was talking to a new friend, and the subject came up in passing of hope. Of course, one of my impulses was to jump in and start talking about what the Bible says about hope. But this time I refrained and I just listened. But I'm inspired by him and his journey. So I thought I would just share. What does it mean to have hope? To think we could actually count on something in a way that we know won't fail. And is that even how the Bible talks about it? Well, I decided that you and I should work it out a bit. Now, interestingly, I found differing perspectives from the world of counseling, even Christian counseling, and theology. And that may not be a surprise to you, but consider this. The Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling, which is actually a Christian resource, puts it this way. Hope is a desire accompanied by the expectation that the desire will be obtained. It's partly cognitive. It's a thought. It's partly emotional. It involves anticipation and other positive affects. And it's partly volitional. It contains belief. This is me still quoting them. Hope has traditionally had spiritual or religious connotations. For this reason, Hope has not been a major focus of psychological study in spite of its obvious emotional components. It has, however, been present in literature and is a prominent concept in the Bible. Unquote. That's the the Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling. So at least according to the editors of this resource, I think this is kind of interesting, secular resources have downplayed hope because of its association with spirituality or religion. Now, hear me correctly here. This shouldn't be a surprise if a worldview is based on naturalism or scientism, right? And thinks that 
religion is just preference like ice cream (laughs) and can't possibly represent objective truth or reality. Now, this is important. And so listen to the opening uh, line of the entry for hope in the Lexham Bible Dictionary. I'm going to quote, Hope is the confidence that by integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trusting human responses in the present, that the faithful will experience the fullness of God's goodness both in the present and in the future. I'm still quoting, Biblical faith rests on the trustworthiness of God to keep his promises. The biblical view of hope is thus significantly different from that found in ancient Greek philosophy. The Greeks recognized that human beings expressed hope by nature. However, this kind of hope reflects both good and bad experiences. The future was thus a projection of one's own subjective possibilities. Biblical hope avoids this subjectivity by being founded on something that provides a sufficient basis for confidence in its fulfillment, which is God and his redemptive acts as they culminate in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Unquote. Ah, did you hear that contrast? Is hope subjective? It is if the experience has a source that is self. But what if, instead, hope is based on the eternal, unchanging, all-powerful, all-knowing, personal, loving, and trustworthy creator of the cosmos? Well, the source isn't subjectively internal. It's grounded in the surety and confidence of the unchangeable God. It's objective. And dare I say it's grounded not in my reality, but in the objective reality of the object in which hope is placed. So let's bring this home in a little less academic way of thinking about it. What would you do if you could not fail? That's the question on the table here. Well, if biblical hope is a desire based in confident expectation, Remember, it is partly cognitive, it's a thought, it's partly emotional, it involves anticipation and other positive affects, and partly volitional, it contains belief. So consider that in light of this simple verse, Psalm 18, 28. Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. Now I'm going to say it again. Modern translations use the word lamp. Uh, Older translations use the word candle. Lord, you light my candle. My God illuminates my darkness. Now catch this. There are four things that bubble up out of this. One is the utter dependence. Right? You will light my candle. Right? No, No candle can light itself. The source of the illumination is not indigenous. Right, God does the lighting. The second thing is the sheer certainty of it. The Lord will light my candle. Now, apparently the writer here is in the dark, right? But there is hope, both in the coming of light, the expectation of the coming of light, and in the certainty of that coming of that light. The third thing that bubbles up from this one one little verse is the engaging modesty 
of it. Right, Lord, you're going to light my candle. Now, we've all heard aphorisms about a candle, you know, breaking through a whole room full of darkness, right? But the writer here isn't describing himself as a sun or a star or the world's gift to TikTok videos or a New York Times bestselling author, right? It's not huge. It's a candle. You remember how William Shakespeare put it? How far that little candle throws its beams, so shines a good deed in a naughty world. I like that. Okay, here's the fourth thing. The selfless implication of it, right? A candle doesn't burn for itself. It burns for others, right? We know, we talked about that a lot here. We know what our spiritual gifts are for. Our our gifts are for others. You might remember the beautiful epitaph. Maybe you don't. (laughs) Frankly, I didn't when I first bumped into it. A beautiful epitaph which forms this fitting summary of a good person's life. He burned himself out that those in the night might see God. My friends, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Well, that's a question that touches down in head, heart, and hands. It's a thought. It involves anticipation or other positive affects or feelings, and it's partly volitional. It contains belief. But let me suggest that maybe a way to sum it up, that that even though what I just described is human-centric, in the Bible, the whole thing is God-centric or, or, or based on the existence and reality, the objective goodness of God, right? Naturalism or materialism or scientism or humanism have a false starting place, right? They have a false view of reality, so they've got a false conclusion. We can ask the question, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? We can ask that rightly when we remember that true reality doesn't even start with us. We can place our hope in that which cannot fail. And to sum all that up, let me boil it down uh, with to a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon, right? Something that reminds me that, Lord, you light my lamp. Lord, you light my candle. You light my candle. In the words of Charles Spurgeon, Mountains, when in darkness hidden, are as real as in day, and God's love is as true to you now as it was in your brightest moments. I'm going to say that again. Mountains, when in darkness hidden, are as real as in day, and God's love is as true to you now as it was in your brightest moments. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.